You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. We started a series last Sunday titled Living with a View from Above. A View from Above. Living with a Heavenly Perspective. And uh, the passage I started last Sunday with, and I'll start it again this Sunday, is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You know what? God, when he looks at your life, he has a plan. Yes? He looks at your life and he sees all your days, all that is laid out before you. And he has a plan and a purpose. And it is greater than you think it is. It is greater than what you think possible. And we looked at some of the characteristics of God's plan for our lives. And one of the characteristics is it's more than what we think possible. In fact, it's immeasurably more. When God looks at you, he sees something that's, that's just a miracle waiting to happen in this world. He sees what your life is capable of. You see, when we look at our lives, we see our inabilities. We see our weaknesses. We see all that we can't do. When God looks at your life, he sees all that he can do through you. He sees it from a different perspective. He sees you as a vessel. Say, if I could just do this, look at what happened. I know the plans I have for you, and it is greater than you think possible. The plans that God has for us is completely dependent upon Him. If you think the plan that God has for your life, you can do in your own, you can forget it. It's not God's plan. God's plan is in the realm of what we can't do. Why? Because when we are weak, He is strong. When we have come to the end of us, He is more than enough. He moves in that realm when we come to our limitations. That's where he starts. We like to live in the realm of what we can do. But can I say that's our glass ceiling, our limitations. And for many of us, we stop right there because, well, I can't do, I'm not this, I can't do that. Actually, in God's kingdom, there is no can'ts. Is there? Because we can do all things. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And everything we do according to his plan impacts eternity. The plans that God has for your life isn't just for the now, but actually every time we say yes to him, every time we follow his plan for our lives, there's a ripple effect that is in all eternity. And he sees that when you say yes, even at the very basic or the very starting point of saying yes to his salvation, he sees how that will impact eternity. Our lives have been touched today because of other people's faith long before us. They continue to impact our lives. God has a plan that isn't just for you, but it's how your life will impact the future. Over these next weeks, we're going to look at different aspects of God's plan for our lives. And this week, we're going to be looking at this aspect of God's plan for us involves increase through release. Increase through release. To start with, we're going to read Proverbs 11, 24 to 25. We see this, these words. It says, a man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, yet comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. For God to enlarge what he can do through your life requires you to release and give what you have. You see, it's, it's, a, it's opposite to the world in which we live. If, 
if we're going to look strictly at finance, the financial system, if you want to accumulate more, what do you do? What's the one word you do? If you want to... Invest. You invest. Okay. The, the banker says, invest. <laughs> Investments is a good word. I was thinking save. But invest is also a good word. There's a tendency to save, right? And if you want to be rock solid that everything that you have, that you've put in the bank, is going to stay there. You keep it in the bank. You don't necessarily put it in the stock market because it could go all over the place. But... You, you save it, right? And hopefully you get more than half a minor, little bit of a percentage of interest, right? You save it. You store it up. You hold it. In God's kingdom, it's the very opposite. Increase comes through release. Increase comes as we give. Actually, when God says, hey, I want to increase what I'm doing through your life, the increase can only happen if we release what we have. It doesn't work the other way. We can't say, God, I just want to do you to do more through my life, and I'm just going to hold on to everything I got. Oh, it doesn't work that way. In fact, if we want to give more, if we want more to, to happen through our lives, it requires more to be released through our lives. It works in this principle. If, if we're generous, if we're, we're moving in the things that he has for us, then actually he's, he's able to do more. This requires a change of mindset. Each time we give, it's like depositing into the kingdom of heaven. Every time we say, I'm going to release what, what God has, has put in my life, I'm going to release it, it's a deposit. It's not a subtraction, it's an addition. Every time we release any resource that God has put into our lives for His kingdom and for His purposes, it's a deposit. He's not taking from us, He's actually giving something to us by us releasing it's moving from a small-minded mentality, a protectionism kind of thought process where I've got to hold on to everything I got with white knuckles because who knows what the future holds. To saying, actually, my trust is in the Lord and everything I have is His. I'm going to release it to a greater vision. What happens if I release my resources into God's hands? There's a key point that helps us make this change of focus from holding on to releasing. And it is this thought. You are only a steward. Can I just tell you what? You come into this world with what? Nothing. When you die, how much stuff are you going to take with you? Nothing. Can I just say, just to kind of make it really clear for everyone, you own absolutely nothing. In the light of eternity, you own nothing. Whatever you have at this moment in your life, you're only stewarding. And if we think, I have to hold on to this for my security, can I tell you what? There's a false understanding there. Because our, our certainty is found in Christ alone. And if we think the resources that we have will see us through to the very end, we are sadly mistaken. You see, this amazing thing, the most wealthy people in the world get sick. They die in hospitals. Their money won't save them. In fact, it's a, it, our, our finances only is, is a tool that we can use either for the good of his kingdom or just storing up for ourselves. And Jesus warns us about this understanding. If we store up for ourselves, riches here on earth, where moth and rust destroy, you know, at the end of the day, what does it, what does it do? You see, for each one of us, God has given us something. We, he's given us resources to use for his kingdom. 
Everything belongs to God. We see this in Psalm 24.1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You think you own your house. I'm sorry, you don't. Maybe the bank does. No, actually, they don't even. Everything we have belongs to God. And so if we're clear in our understanding that everything I have is God's anyways, then it releases us to move past small-minded thinking where it's all about me to understanding this is God's and it's all about Him because it's His. Everything we have is His. Isn't that a release? Isn't that just set us free? Now, I'm not saying we don't have savings and we don't you know, put some, you know, we're not wise in our finances. But what I'm saying is we can't look at our finances from perspective or the resources, not just finances, the resources we have with the perspective, it's mine because it's not. You will die one day and it will go to someone else. It will keep moving on. What a comforting thought, isn't it? <laughs> someone else will spend it if you don't. Fantastic. Fantastic. Now, in God's plan, he entrusts resources to us to use for his kingdom. Now, the type, when we, when we look at releasing, there's a type of giving in God's plan that he's kind of laid out in Scripture. So we've looked in the Old Testament, in Proverbs, but when we turn forward into the New Testament, we see this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we have this verses 6 to 8. It says this, it says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly, and this is in the context of giving, will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, first of all, when we look at releasing the way God looks at releasing or giving. We have a key word here in this passage, and one of the key words is generous. Generous. A generous man will prosper. We read this in Proverbs. A generous man will, pro will prosper. What's the difference between giving and giving generously? What's the difference? I looked at the definition of generous, and it's defined as giving more than what is strictly necessary or expected. It's giving more than what is strictly necessary or expected. So when God speaks about giving or sowing generously, it's more than what is strictly necessary. Now that's a different change. Of, it's a change of thought, isn't it? So generous giving is moving away from the just enough. I give just enough because that is what is expected. Now, in the Old Testament, we have this whole teaching that was given to the Israelites about tithing, right? How many have heard of tithing? Giving a 10% of your income. And then we have instructions about offerings. Now, the thing about tithing, it was put forward as a law to give 10% of your income, your first fruits, to the, the Levites, to the, to the system of the, the temple, or the tabernacle at the time it was given. But it was, an, it was a requirement. Now the challenge is when we move forward into the New Testament, Christ came to redeem us from the law, right? We're no longer under law. However, we can have a mentality that actually 10% of my giving is what is expected. 
But generous giving is more than what is expected. It moves outside the realm of, actually, I'm going to tick this box of 10%. Now, can I say, if 10% is the base minimum, and we say, well, I'm going to give, I'm going to give a tithe because it's expected of me, is that generous giving? You know, because it's expected, right? It isn't the above and beyond. It isn't kind of moving in that, that next realm. You see, when Christ came to the earth, did he do what was just enough? No. You see, in this passage of Scripture, in all of what we see in Corinthians, actually, Christ is set as the example of how we give. Because when Christ came, he gave it all. Right? In fact, when we look at uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, and again, it's, it's, the passage is titled in my Bible, Generosity Encouraged. And then in this whole passage, we see this. Verses nine, verse 9, it says, for, for you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. What does that mean? Is that Jesus gave it all, and Jesus is the example. When Christ came, he, he, he did more than enough. He did beyond our expectation. We see a passage in Scripture where it says, where sin increased, what does it say? Grace increases all the more. We have that we are lavish, that His love is lavished upon us. Lavished love is not just enough love to get us through. We are lavished with the love of Christ. It's beyond our expectation. His love for us is, is greater. You know, Paul prays that for the church, for us to understand how big and how wide and how deep is the love of Christ. Because it's so big, it's, it's beyond enough. When we come into his kingdom, we come into a kingdom that's generous. God is a generous God. And he calls us to live from that place of generosity where we're not small-minded thinking, where we're, it's all about us, but it's all about something greater. It's all about what he wants to do through our lives. And actually, we, we have a perspective that this might be expected in the old, but because of grace, I want to do all the more. I don't want to do just enough. I don't want to give and release just enough. But actually, God, all is yours. You've redeemed me from everything. And so from the position of grace... I can give more. I can give generously. You set the bar. God set the bar of what generosity looks like. What is enough or expected of you? How could it be said of your giving? Is it generous? Or is it what is just enough? You see, this is a challenge for my life as it is for your life. It's much easier to go and give from a position of what we feel justified Versus from the position that also requires faith. In our life groups, we, we talked about this in, in Hebrews 11. That it's impossible to please God without faith. So even in our giving, it's impossible to please him if faith is not a part of it. If what I can give is what I don't need, then was faith required in the whole transaction? Not really. But generosity goes beyond that. And pushes my, me into a realm of faith. It's moving beyond what is expected. And moving into the place where we have this thought process. Where God, you want to do more. George Mueller said this. God judges what you give by what you keep. Interesting thought. George Mueller, great man of faith. 
He judges us by what we give, by what we keep. Sir Henry Taylor said this, he says, He who gives what he would readily throw away gives without generosity. For the essence of generosity is in self-sacrifice. God wants us to do more. God wants to do more in our lives than we dare to dream or imagine. But it requires us to move not from the realm of just enough release, just enough giving, but to the realm of generosity. That's a challenge, isn't it? We love the thought process of God doing more in our lives, but it requires us to release more. And that's how it works. He wants to do more, but he says, okay, open up your hands. Get out your checkbook. Come on, join with me. The next thing, though, we see this key word in this passage in 2 Corinthians. One is there's generous, but then he, he goes on to speak about being cheerful. Verse 7, it says, each man should decide, um, each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, so you can hear all of what I just said and say, okay, I'll give more. Okay, we've well, missed the point. You've just lost it. Generosity is moving from that place of saying, God, I, I want to do, I want to do more. I want to be, let me be part of it. Cheerfulness is actually then the attitude of the heart saying, yes, you've asked me to contribute to this. Yeah, I'm on board. Woo! It's offering time. Yeah, God. I know the excitement that's there. You see cheerfulness. I also looked at what is the difference? What's the, the definition of cheerfulness? It's to be happy and positive. When the offering is taken, is being happy and positive. It's offering time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like offering time. Why? Because I get to give. And I don't just have to give what enough. I get to be generous. And God loves a cheerful giver, so I can even dance. You know, I saw a video online about, you know, some churches have different traditions about taking offering. And I tell you what, some of the churches... Some African church, I tell you, they know how to do offering time. It's dancing, it's, ooh, it's offering time. We're a little bit more subdued. I know some churches even just have it at the back and just kind of like, ooh, I'll just pop it in. I don't want to be too, too happy about this occasion. No one's looking. Oh, God. We can be cheerful when we give. If we have a view from above. When we see that I'm getting to participate with God. That God is going to work through my life to do above and beyond what I could dare to dream or imagine. Why? Because my gift, whatever that is, to the Lord, God is going to use that for His glory and His purpose. Do you know, if what you have is a pound and you give a pound, God only knows in the whole economy of heaven where that pound will go. He sees the ripple effect of us being faithful, even with the little that we have. Jesus honored the, the widow who just gave a few small coins because she gave all she had. She was moving in the realm of generosity. I get to be part of what you're doing, God. I'm going to give what I've got. You see, it isn't the quantity. It has nothing to do with quantity, but it is completely relative to our current circumstances. You see, if God has blessed us much, 
then much is required of our lives. I'm sorry, that's how it works. If you say, well, I don't really have two pennies to rub together. Well, then take the one penny. You don't have the other penny to rub it together. So just put the one penny in. We, we, we release what we've got. We can't release what we don't have, but we can release what we do have. You see, if we have the big picture, we get to be part of God's plan. And it's not God taking from me, but it's me joining him in what he is doing. And it is the work of his spirit that can bring this into our hearts. It says, don't, desi- don't decide um, reluctantly, but, but it's to give from the heart. And so it's actually, it's in the, our heart that God moves and he challenges us. It's our head that gets in the way. It's our head that does the calculations, thinking, is this more than enough? Oh, maybe I should just give what is enough. You see, our head always gets in the way, but it's our heart that God moves by his spirit. He said, we should decide in our hearts what to give because our hearts, can I just tell you, our hearts tend to always be bigger than our heads. Our hearts will move in the realm of, yeah, I want to give it all. And our head says, hold on. Let's just, just, just look through the bank balance. Let's look at the outgoings, incomings. No, 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 no. That doesn't work. That does not equate. And the heart is saying, yeah, let's go for it. No, the head says no. But you should decide in the heart. Because through the realm of the heart, we see God do amazing things. You see, God sees the attitude of the heart. The question is, does our giving bring happiness and joy? Or is it actually pain and sorrow? A gift that's brought with pain and sorrow, I don't think, as we see, brings the same pleasure to God as us seeing, do you know what, I'm going to have a kingdom mindset. And so I can give from a position of joy. Because I see the big picture. I'm having a view from above of what you're doing. We are to give generously, we are to give cheerfully to that which matters to the kingdom. You know, there's a couple things that matter to the kingdom of heaven. And one is his body. Again, the context of this passage of scripture was an offering being taken for the church in Jerusalem. And there was needs there. And so they were taking this offering for the church. And actually, throughout scripture, there's only two things that, that, that giving is a challenge. We're challenged with. There's two things that matter in the kingdom. One is his church. One is people. People in need. Situations. You see, we can think, well, I give generously to the local council. Okay, we all give generously to local council. No. <laughs> I, give, I give generously to this local club or to whatever it is, to the sports thing. Well, in God's kingdom, there's actually only two things that really are important. People, the needs of people. In fact, you even see in James, actually... We can say we have faith, but if we see someone in need and do nothing about it, actually our faith is of no value. Why? Because our faith should compel us to give to the needs of people around us, right? If we hear we have someone around us, especially in the body of Christ that has need, and we don't do anything about it, what faith do we really have? Because the faith that God puts in our hearts needs to be activated by giving, being generous. But it's also giving into the kingdom. How can we send forth, how can we proclaim the word of God if there's, there's nothing to send with? And the kind of the economy, the realm in which we live, if we're going to send a missionary into the mission field, it requires finance. We can't just pray for them. And that's it. If they have no resources to live off of. It's a simple concept. But when we give, actually, these are the two realms. When we talk about being generous, we're talking about generosity in the church and generosity to people in need. This is the only two things we see in Scripture. 
God has a plan for your life. And as we started with, it is immeasurably more than you can dare to dream or imagine. I want you to think about this. God has a plan for your life that is immeasurably more than you can dare to dream or imagine. But as we think about it, I want us to look at this last verse, which is in 2 Corinthians 9. So just the next bit down, verses 10 to 11. It says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on how many occasions? Every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I want you to see a thought process here. God is able to enlarge. Is he not? He is able to enlarge. He wants us to be made rich in every way. But not so that we are rich in every way. But why are we rich in every way? So that we can be a blessing. So we can be generous on every occasion. That word every occasion is a challenge. Because again looking at what is just enough. We like to move in the realm of just enough giving. But being generous on every occasion is above and beyond what we could dare to dream or imagine. God wants you to be generous on every occasion. What does that mean? It means every time there's an opportunity to give, you're able to be generous. Every time there's an opportunity for you to sow or to to contribute to the needs of others, you're there. Sign me up. I want to be part of this. I want to give. And he's actually, if you will trust me on this, I can increase the store of seed that you have so that you can continue to be more generous so that more opportunities come. You can continue to be more generous. So actually, the ripple effect of your life just keeps going and going and going because there is no limit with God. We limit God. If we can continue to release, God can continue to increase what we're able to work with. I look at the life of someone like Mother Teresa. What stands out in her life? She was probably one of the most generous people on this planet. She had nothing in a sense of wealth. But through her life and what she gave of her time, of her effort, of what God did entrust to her life, she impacted the world. You know, it, it's having this attitude of the kingdom of heaven through your life. Mother Teresa, this lady, a no-name person from Albania, made headlines around the world because of her life. You know what? All of us are no-name people. But what could happen if we say, God, I give it all to you. Here it is. I want to be part of what you're doing. I want to be generous on every occasion. I think sometimes we wait to have the big storehouse before we maybe start releasing. But you know what? It works the other way around. We start releasing and God can start entrusting more. I don't believe in the give to get. I believe in the give to give more. That's the kingdom. Give so we can give more. It's not, it's, not, it's not a prosperity gospel where if I give, this is what's going to come back to me so I can have more money in the bank so I can go on nicer holidays. No, it's actually I release so that I can release more so then I can release even more so I can release even more, more, more. I can keep more, mores. That's the realm. What could happen in our church if we moved in that realm? You know, the early church we see moved in this realm. 
when God was moving by his spirit, people were getting healed, people were getting saved. But you know what? We kind of overlook those passages of scripture where it says they sold their properties and they gave to those who had need. They gave to the apostles' feet so it could be used where it was needed most. You see, the giving was at the same time of the miracles. The funding of all that was going on was happiness. People were sacrificially giving all that they had. And the proclamation of the gospel just spread around the world. I know this kind of a message is not necessarily the ones we like to hear. But sometimes it's the message we need to hear to push us onwards. I, I believe God wants to provoke us this morning. So come on, Tyler, get your act together. I need this message just as much as you do. Can I just say, I feel like Paul saying that, not that I've already obtained all this. Donna could testify to that. I'm not necessarily, this isn't by, by DNA, this isn't necessarily, when we kind of look at the gift sets that we see in Romans, I don't think giving is necessarily the one that I received in birth. I was always the saver of my family. My sister always gave her money away, but for me, I was the saver. And so for me, this is a challenge. But that doesn't, that doesn't, just because it's a challenge doesn't mean God doesn't want to spur me onwards in this. He says, all grace will abound. Oh, we need the grace of God to do this because it goes against our intellect. Why don't you stand with me, please? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.